0: in need of a thanksgiving meal please let me know on the morning of thanksgiving a man named pepper jackson and some others are cooking food in our fellowship hall and the community is coming to pick up those meals so if you know one in need uh, please let me know and i'll pass along that information to them okay church family a couple of special prayer requests i know there's a lot of needs a lot going on but please remember two families in your prayers yesterday afternoon Donna Meacham's mother, Miss Ruby Shel- Shelton, passed away. So I know Randy's here. I haven't seen Donna yet, but I wanted Donna to know we love her and are praying for the Shelton family. And then also, we've gotten word that Miss Jenny Garvin at the Carrollton Manor has been put on hospice care. Uh, Miss Jenny is such a wonderful, caring person who for many years worked here, served here, worshiped here with her uh, husband, Frontis. So let's remember Miss Jenny in the days and weeks to come, okay? Now, as we begin, I'm going to ask my friend, Johnny Daniel. Johnny, will you make your way up here and read this morning our call to worship, which will be Psalm 8? Why don't you go ahead and stand? And Johnny is one of the originals. He's been here longer than I have. At Upward Soccer, Glenlock Soccer, several weeks ago, he did a reading one night and he forgot his glasses. <laughs> and so Johnny, well, he had them in his pocket. He's got his glasses on this morning. I want to say this. My son Asa was here a few weeks ago and we, we mentioned Johnny. And Asa says, I've got a lot of respect for Johnny Daniel. I says, what do you mean, Asa? He says, he feeds people. Laughter and if you really want to know where the rubber meets the road, it's feeding people. I love you, Johnny. Thank you for reading this morning.
1: Oh, <clears throat> oh Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants. You have ordained strength because you, because of your enemies that you have made silence, the enemies and the avengers. When I consider your heavens the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him For you have made him a little lower than the angels, and you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to to have dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, even the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, and the fish of the sea. That pass through the paths of seas. The Lord our our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, this morning we come to you humbly, thanksgiving, thanking you for the this day of life. You resist the proud but you give grace to the humble. Therefore let us humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift us up in due time, casting all your cares upon him. For he cares very much for us all. And all the church said, Amen. Thank you for your undivided attention.
2: Let's begin our worship service singing together this morning. Lord Jesus this morning. And come Heavenly Father God, Lord, thank you so much just for allowing us to come into your house and worship this morning because this is the day the Lord has made, God. And Lord, may we enter into your gates with thanksgiving in our hearts, God. Lord, may we be reminded to count each one of our blessings, God, and know that they all come straight from you, Lord. And God, even the um, things in our life that we may not count as blessings, God, Lord, you're working it in some way for our good. So Lord, may we just um, honor you this morning. And sing your glory, God, and Lord. Um, may we celebrate as we have um, reached the end of a wonderful study, God. And we end with saying, Lord, you are you are the fairest of all, God. Lord, there is none like you, none will compare to you, and there is none more worthy than you, God. So, Lord, may we um, just be filled with thankfulness this morning, God, and Lord, may we be um, encouraged to go out and bless others um, by telling them that you are Lord. We just love you and praise you and thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. And children are going with Sarah Beth in the back to Children's Church.
0: please start to Chapter 24. You might think that Catherine and myself and Stephanie and Johnny all got together and color-coordinated this morning. But I assure you we are not that organized. So there you go. But sometimes it does work out that way. Luke chapter 24, beginning with verse 33. Yes, Catherine mentioned this is the last sermon in Luke's gospel. Are you excited? Right? Ready for, for new things? Advent will be approaching. And so we look forward to the Advent season and all that that will mean. But yeah, we are at the end of Luke's gospel. I think Bryson estimated that there were 82 sermons in the gospel of Luke. That's pretty incredible. That's a little over a year and a half. And I love how Luke has begun and then how he ends. Kind of with a lot of the same things going on. So actually before I read Luke 24... Why don't we go back to the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. Uh, Luke chapter 1. We've got a little extra time this morning. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Right. Luke chapter 1. I think it's important to get the big picture of where he's been and where he's going the panorama view of Scripture, so to speak, that covers the larger story of the whole Bible and also the larger story that is the Gospel of Luke, for example. So remember where we started 80-something sermons ago? Luke was a physician. And he says, "...inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account..." of the things accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses. Let that word sink in a little bit. Eyewitnesses. And servants of the word have handed them down to us. It seemed fitting for me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order most Excellent Theophilus, so that you might know the exact truth about the things you've been taught, so that you might know concerning the message you were taught, the certainty. The certainty. So Luke began his gospel with announcing that there is something certain and sure that has happened And I'm going to recount it for you from eyewitnesses in an orderly manner, the way a physician would handle it. And that's what Luke has done. Now, it's interesting to me that his gospel began with someone in the temple troubled and frightened by an angelic message. A man named Zechariah was worshiping and serving where? In the temple. He's afraid, he's troubled. God's going to work a miracle in a womb through a miraculous conception and bring to young Mary a child. Now, when we come to the end of Luke, you're going to also find some people who are troubled and startled and frightened. God has worked a miracle at the end of Luke's gospel through An empty tomb. And they are processing the reality and the certainty of what has happened. And Luke's gospel is going to end where it began with people serving and praising and worshiping God. Where? In the temple. So I wanted to show you those two reference points. The beginning and the end. As we dive into the conclusion of Luke's gospel. Which I'm about to read from Luke chapter 24 verse 33. Now. Lately, we have seen Jesus was arrested, then we saw that Jesus was sentenced, then we saw that Jesus was crucified, then we saw that Jesus was buried, and then last week, we saw that Jesus is risen. Well, what's today's sermon title, Pastor Neil? I don't know how to sum it up other than these three words. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. That is the conclusion. It is the culmination. It is the climax of not only this gospel, but the whole Bible. So let's read. Luke 24 So they arose that very hour. They returned to Jerusalem, and they found gathered together the eleven and those who were with them. Saying, verse 34, here it is The Lord, the Lord has really risen. And he's appeared to Simon. So then they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. While they were telling these things, he himself, Luke says, stood in their midst. But they were startled and frightened. They thought they were seeing a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See, my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. Then verse 40 in the New American Standard is in brackets because there are some manuscripts that do not include this, although John does include it in chapter 20 of his gospel. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. When he said this, He showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still could not believe it for joy, they were marveling and he said to them, Have you anything here to eat? Well, there's some fishermen among this group of people, as we know. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish. Look at the detail in this gospel. They gave him a piece of broiled fish. He took it and he ate it right there before before them. Now he said to them, these are my words which I spoke to you while I was still with you. That all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. What an incredible and moving verse. He opened their minds. Their experience was heartwarming and mind-opening. As they met with Jesus. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending forth the promise of my Father upon you. But you are to stay in the city. Wait. Stay in the city. Until you are clothed with power from on high. And then, here's the conclusion. He's going to expand on it in Acts chapter 1. As he begins the book of Acts. Also, as a follow-up to everything that he writes in the gospel of Luke. So he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and he blessed them. He blessed them. And it came about that while he was blessing them, he parted from them. And they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they were continually in the temple doing what? Praising God. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. the chief reason we exist is to glorify God and enjoy him forever and that's where Luke's gospel takes us as he concludes what is truly good news father thank you this morning for our opportunity to gather and worship and sing and love each other and be together uh, most of all to hear your word and I pray Lord as you've prepared our hearts and minds already that the preaching and hearing that we would not only have more certainty, as Luke says at the beginning, more certainty of the reality of these these events, but that that they would have an effect on us that would be transforming and encouraging and powerful as we leave this place um, in just a bit and go out into life. May we be light and salt, humble and grateful, caring and faithful. But most of all, people who are filled with great joy and praise to God for great things you have done, Father, in sending Christ and having him crucified on our behalf and then raising him from the dead and having him ascend in glory to heaven where he still reigns as Lord at your right hand. In his name we pray. Amen. Okay, the Lord has really risen. The Lord has really risen. If you are a Christian by nature, what that involves is that you are someone who believed that Jesus really did rise from the dead. That is what is of first importance. So it really comes down to this do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead or not? Now, before we get all judgmental and on our high horse, let's get back to where the disciples were in this text as they processed the shock and the amazement of all that they had gone through. So they had witnessed the crucifixion. They had witnessed the horror and the injustice. And God had kept from them in an intentional and personal way a lot that he is revealing to us in the retelling of the story. And so I kind of see it like this. And and I explained this a bit last Sunday night to to the group at at 6 o'clock. that It would be kind of like, have you ever received an invitation to a surprise party? And you were told when you received the invitation that, shh, Be quiet. We're keeping this from our loved one on purpose so that when they walk into the house, they're going to be completely shocked and blown away with the element of surprise. So if you've been on the end of a surprise party, you know that for the moment you say, Man, how, how could they have kept this from me? Or why didn't I see this coming? Or wait a second, let me process for a second everything that's going on because this is not what I had planned for today. So they are warming up to reality. They're warming up to all that God had been been saying really from, from eternity past. Now, the conclusion that they drew became the earliest Christian confession, and that was this Caesar's not Lord. The Roman Empire is not Lord. The temple's not Lord. And the corruption that in, inhabits the current temple certainly is not Lord. So, between two of the most powerful forces ever to exist on planet Earth, the Roman Empire on one hand and the, the, the corrupt Jewish temple system as it was in Jesus' day on the other hand, right in the middle, king of kings and lord of lords is Jesus Christ himself. And he amazingly says, you got the Roman empire on one side, guys. You got the temple on the other side. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Jesus is Lord. Now, as I work this text out, I'm going to give you four words this morning. They're all going to start with C. And and this may be today death by alliteration, okay? (laughs) All right, I'm just going to be honest with you. Four words this morning that begin with C that I think are four wonderful blessings from Christ our Lord who is risen from the dead, all right? And and let's notice what he, he blesses them in this chapter, right? He bestows something upon them. But I see in this chapter not just a blessing at the end, I see a blessing along the way. The first blessing I see that he gives his disciples is a confirmation. A confirmation. He encourages his followers with the reality of his bodily resurrection. And what's incredible to me is that he involves all the senses as he does that. Did you pick up on what Jesus did and what he said? See? (laughs) Hear? Touch? We even have taste in this chapter. What did he taste? A piece of broiled fish. Have you ever cooked broiled fish? You can also throw in smell, can't you? I I really think our senses were given to us ultimately to know and enjoy and find pleasure in God. And I really believe the disciples' senses were kicked in to the nth degree here so that they could really see and feel and experience the reality of what had happened on the third day. If you're like me, if you make a dentist appointment... How many confirmations do y'all get? It's like they know that I'm scatterbrained. They know that I'm slow to get it. And so they're confirming. Are you really going to be here, right? And I get all these reminders. There's a phone call that I can hear. There's a text that I can respond to. I've written it in my calendar, so forth and so forth. We are people... By nature, because we're limited, fallen, we desperately need confirmation. We need assurance. We desire and hunger for confidence. And the risen Christ drives it home to his followers. He encourages them and he edifies them with absolute certainty that this is not what? A ghost. This is not a spirit. This is really the risen Jesus. Because there are going to be days that we, we're not feeling it. And there are going to be days when our calendar's not put together. And the one thing you're going to need to know more than anything else in life is that Jesus Christ, the Lord, has really risen. And if you can get to that point, then you can go back and get to the point you need to be with Him at the foot of the cross and seeing yet again the reality of the resurrection. But he doesn't just confirm it with his appearance. As he confronts them and he shows them his body. And he tastes that, that piece of fish to confirm that this is a bodily resurrection. Which has implications in, in, in many different ways. In many different avenues in our lives. But he also confirms it with the spoken word. The word of God. I think it's interesting that in verse 44 after he, de- he 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 delves into the physical which was also very spiritual but then he preached the word to them again he's he's saying again and again and over and over why these repetitious words why these repetitious uh sayings why these repetitious Verbal confirmations. Because they're going to be forgetful at times. So verse 44 is a reiteration of what we talked about last week. These are my words. They're not any other human's words. These are the words of God and of Christ. And we are not at liberty to do whatever we would like with what are His words. He spoke to them while he was still with them, that all things which are written about me and the law of Moses, the prophets, the Psalms, must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures. And then he says it's written, Christ should suffer and rise again from the dead in the third day. He's preaching the gospel to them all over again. He said it along the way, now he says it at the end. I'm going to cut to the chase. If you and I want strong faith, if we want confirmation, if we want affirmation and assurance, read the Bible. Meditate over the story. You've heard me say it hundreds of times. Preach the good news to yourself every day. Jesus confirms the reality of his resurrection, not just in the moment, but over the moment spanning all of eternity from from beginning to end. All right, I must move on because I promised you four. The first word is confirmation. The second word is commission. Here we have the great commission. The risen Christ employs his disciples with a purpose and a mission that extends beyond place, time, and people. The risen Christ employs, or we could say engages his followers with a purpose and a mission that goes far beyond the little story of where they are to the bigger story of who God is and what God is doing redemptively throughout the course of history. Each gospel has at the end of it a mission. A great commissioning, and here we have it in our text, in verse 47. Repentance, which is absolutely necessary. That all of us own the fact that we are broken sinners who have fallen and disobeyed the the law of God. That's why Jesus referred earlier to the law. You've got to preach the law because it crushes us and humbles us and drives us to Christ. Repentance. And then it's really all about forgiveness. The amazing miracle that God has made forgiveness of sin, past, present, and future for all time available through the sacrifice and the propitiation and the atonement of Christ. Repentance for what? Forgiveness. That's what you and I need. The great theologian Don Henley had it right. (laughs) I'm thinking about forgiveness. Forgiveness. Even if you don't love me anymore, all right? I'm not going to go any further with that one. But what a commission. Every single one of us are created with so much purpose, potential, and significance. Every young person is striving for identity and meaning and purpose and significance. That All of us have this great hunger for significance. At a meeting at Hurd County High School recently, I heard the principal there explain that their goal, the people graduating from that high school, was either to employ, to enroll, or to enlist. I like that for several reasons, part of which was the alliteration. <laughs> there was a guy sitting there who says, I won't tell you all, I've done all three of those in my life. <laughs> he had a really neat story of how he had been to college, he had been in the military, and now he was employed. But what a great mission and purpose that you and I have. Listen. It extends beyond geographical boundaries. It extends beyond generational boundaries. It extends beyond time and place stretching. Really, since it is written, which takes me back. When Jesus says, thus it is written, to me I get this panorama, eternal view of God because it began in the heart of God in eternity past. And you and I can connect with that. That... That forgiveness, what better news than that, can be proclaimed in His name. Why? Because He is the risen Lord. The fact of the resurrection gives us the power to preach this commission and to share this good news to all nations. All nations. And this is cosmic. This connects all people. Beginning from Jerusalem, which is what Acts 1-8 is about, and you're going to hear that next Sunday morning. You see, remind them verse 48, you're witnesses of this. You've seen and heard and felt and touched and tasted and smelled of all that the Messiah has done. Now go tell others. What a wonderful purpose. To love people, to let your light shine so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven and to share with people the wonderful good news of Christ. And do you need a reason to wake up every morning? Of course you do. I need a reason to get up every morning besides the two cups of cured coffee that I'm going to make for myself. Because that coffee buzz wears off in a couple of hours and then what am I going to do? What a commission. And I'll go back to what my friend was saying about the high school mentality. This is a commission that for each one of us, listen to this, it employs us, it enrolls us, and it enlists us, okay? It does all three daily. Confirmation, commission, The third one, all these are so important. The third one is a comforter. He blesses them with a confirmation. He blesses them with a commission. He blesses them with a comforter. The risen Christ empowers his disciples for life and ministry through the promise of the comforter. Who is the comforter? The Holy Spirit himself. The life of God, as John Wesley would say, in the souls of men because if I were there and I were hearing the Great Commission placed upon me as a responsible and culpable witness I would say, whoa, you're not talking about me I mean I just got over being startled, frightened and afraid I'm still processing the emotions of of everything that's happened over the last three days He promises an advocate to come alongside and help that will be with them, empowering them to fulfill the mission and will be with them to change them into the people that God desires for them to be to reflect that mission. So the Holy Spirit is given to us to comfort us, to help us, to empower us, to drive home in our hearts and lives the presence of God and the word of God and the gospel of God. Not just so that we can share the information, but so that you and I can be changed in the process. The promise of the Spirit is extraordinary and covers all of the Christian life. I can't speak enough about it. But let me give you this one word, helper. You have, in Christ, from the Father, a helper, the Holy Spirit to help you along the way it literally means in the gospel of john one come al- called alongside to help and you know why you need a helper it's cuz you need help <laughs> hey i know i need help you ask my family they'll tell you he needs help i need help to preach this gospel I need help to be changed from my selfishness and my greed and my pride and my stiff-necked stubbornness. I need to be broken by God and His Word and His Spirit to be helped to become less of me so that He may increase. And I, I need help across the board. I need help down the line. I need help in every point in every area. I've been driving my F-150, and I've been picking up that my battery's been running a little bit low. Too lazy to stop, too busy to adjust, too self-assured to believe it'll ever happen to me, so on fall break in a Publix parking lot in Panama City Beach, I learned my lesson. Key in the ignition, turned it over, nothing. Raised my hood, put it back down, sat there and waited, <laughs> This is what I said to myself, this car in front of me, I have no idea who he is, what she may be doing in there, but the person that comes to that car to get in that door, I'm going to ask for help, (laughs) all right? So I sat there maybe five minutes and look, here they come. (laughs) They don't know that I'm in need, but they're about to find out. I raised my hood, I went over there, I said, sir, can, can you help me? He said, yeah, he said, I'll be glad to. So he raised his hood, we hooked the cables up, he jumps me off, and I've got a helper. <laughs> yeah, I'm back on the road again. We closed our hoods and I said, sir, thank you so much for helping me. You know what he said? He said, you know, it's very interesting that I came outside to help you. He said, because I just, got inside, got, got, just went inside because I needed help. I said, what do you mean? He said, I had left my debit card in Publix. <laughs> got where I was going, forgot it, called them. They said, yeah, we've got it for you. I went in there and someone helped me by giving me my card. And then lo and behold, I come out here and help you. And in my mind, I'm saying, he just became a sermon illustration. And here's why. By nature, none of us have a right to be self assured, self confident, self reliant. Why in the world would God send Jesus to suffer and die for us a, a death that, that we deserve to die? Why would God come and suffer? And bear our grief and our sins than be raised from the third day if you and I didn't desperately need divine supernatural help. And then he promises a helper. I can't explain this, but in John he basically says it's better to have the Holy Spirit in you than Jesus beside you. You need to go read and study that one on your own. Better to have the Spirit in you than Christ beside There are theological reasons for that that we won't get into. I must move on. Here's the thing. The comfort and the help that we get from God is the same comfort and help you and I are called to give to others in their time of need. There's the grace we receive and there's the grace that we give. And and, and life in God is an ever-flowing stream of help. Across the board in so many ways, but I've got to move on. He blesses them with a confirmation. He blesses them with a commission. He blesses them with a comforter. And last of all, he blesses them with a celebration. The risen Christ blesses or eulogizes, to stick with my plan, because that's what a eulogy is it is a blessing. The risen Christ eulogizes his disciples with his resources and his favor and that leads them into great joy. What a conclusion this is. He leads them out as far as Beth. He lifts up his hands and he blesses them. And then they get to see and witness this wonderful blessing. It came about that while he was blessing them, he parts from them. Jesus is Lord. He's not bound by time or space or anything. He, he just he parts, and he's got a physical body, but it's also a spiritual body. And that's difficult for us to comprehend and, and, and outside of our natural framework. But he, he ascends into glory. And they go, they go back to Jerusalem. Everybody keeps going back to Jerusalem. Isn't that interesting? You turn on the evening news. A lot still goes right back to Jerusalem. But, but look at verse 52. They have great joy. Not, not little joy, not partial joy, not minimal joy. But they have great joy. And they're continually in the temple doing what? Praising God. They're fulfilling the purpose for which all of us exist, which is to worship and praise God. Now, here's the thing. They've got a reason to sing. They've got a reason to rejoice. A tangible, real reason that they know... That Jesus is Lord. The Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. Charles Spurgeon said, as long as that statement is true, the Lord reigns. Let the earth rejoice. As long as that statement is true, as long as He is King of kings, He is Lord of lords, and there is no other. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away. But there is something about that name. You and I are going to have discouraging days. We're going to have difficult days. There are going to be times that are not fair. There are going to be people unreliable. The future is going to be unpredictable and deaths inevitable for all of us. But listen, the Lord reigns. So there is strength and power for us to live within what Peter later calls joy unspeakable and full of glory. That's how we can say rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's why Jesus told them your joy, they can't take it from you because it's my joy. And that's why Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is your strength. So you follow him through the garden and through the suffering and through the cross and into the tomb, into the burial and you're buried in your emotions. But then you hear the story from the beginning of time that says, Weeping may last for a night, but a shout of joy comes in the morning. What morning? Well, first, the morning of the third day, when he is risen. Which goes back to the first morning when God spoke the universe into existence. And it goes into the eternal city, the new heaven and the new earth, where they reign and rejoice forever and ever, praising and giving hallelujah because Jesus is the eternal, immovable king. There's our source of joy in a difficult season of life. And it's his greatest blessing (laughs) It is the blessing that he gives to his followers at the end of the day that is joy unspeakable and full of glory so that you and I can, verse 53, not only in our daily lives and our weekly lives, but so that we can, verse 53, for all of eternity. Hey, these are four great blessings. Okay? Let's tie it all together. The confirmation, the commission, the comforter, and then what do we have in the end? The celebration. The celebration that never ends. So how are you responding to these gifts and these blessings? I was talking to a friend the other day who got gifted tickets to the Georgia-Tennessee game, Tennessee football game a couple of weeks ago, down near the 50-yard line, prime seats. This was a, a lifelong UGA booster. And, and I had heard that this guy was given Georgia-Tennessee tickets. He hardly ever goes to a football game. I call and says, how'd it go, man? He says, oh, it was great. I said, what a gift. And it was this boss who had gifted him. So I said, you know, uh, did did you know how much those tickets were worth? (laughs) He said, oh, yeah. (laughs) He said, I looked it up. I know what that gift's worth. He says, but I wasn't going to lose my job over it. He said, if I didn't utilize that gift and if I didn't utilize those tickets, my boss would have fired me. (laughs) (laughs) Ah. Yeah, it's worth X. But there's something out there worth X infinity that we should never be willing to part with. You can live selfishly. You can be your own king and lord. And live for your thoughts, your opinions, your pleasures, your will. Oh man, but Jesus said, unless you deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. He said, you will lose your soul. And what have you profited if you gain the whole world? But lose your soul. But if a seed goes into the ground and dies... It will bear much fruit that lasts eternally. And I would think the one fruit that we hunger for most that we do not want to lose, the greatest of all, is the joy and the worship that we have through the risen King. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word and the ultimate conclusion of Luke's good news. That good news is really something that we can... That we can sink our teeth into with our lives, that it's real, it's tangible, it engages all the senses in the whole of life. But Father, also through your living, abiding word, it empowers us. Through your spirit we are empowered to share good news and reflect good news and to be brought in times of weeping and sorrow to, to times of joy as we too follow Jesus through the loss and pain of a cross and the joy and hope of a resurrection. Take us there daily. Take us there weekly. Take us there over the course of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing about personal fellowship with Christ our Lord. You come as we sing. guess she is prepared to share because i asked her and now she looks organized <laughs> right. so this is off the cuff because we were talking this morning about shoe boxes and then she um she shared with me what i hope she'll share with you about being on the other end of shoebox. and there's a stack back there that i want us to get and fill and share so lee what well, oh wow yeah <laughs> <Surprise>. good <laughs> Y'all work fast. I'll get out of the way. You talk. amen Um, amen we needed to hear that thank you so much for your willingness to share thank you lee Lee also gave me a note and amen yes i knew i knew this was happening but now i know for certainty that it has happened linda allen is here this morning we love you miss linda let's welcome her back to glenlock if you don't know her you need to amen Good to see you, Linda. All right, Captain, if you'll close. Uh,
2: we have normal services tonight. Um, Bible study, choir at five, children's choir, and Ms. Crystal has another announcement.
3: Um, so I place another one out there, so if you don't mind, make all the necessary changes, addresses, and phone numbers. Hopefully the old one will turn up, but if not, we've got new one. And um there's a list for volunteers for one night in Bethlehem. Y'all know it's that season, and I'm begging. <laughs> begging for volunteers. And the ones that don't know about one night in Bethlehem is is a work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we would love to have you all here. We have costumes for everyone. So, in this afternoon, right after church, I'll be down on the food page painting out costumes. The good ones go first. So, I'm just saying, I'd love to see everybody down there
2: who's got a costume. Thank you. So, the directory went missing, which led her to start cleaning out which then led her to send me like five pictures because I think she thinks I'll leave everything behind, but none of it was mine. So you may not see me in the fellowship hall, but make sure you go look for your stuff out there. Um, let's end our service with singing Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus together. I'll be sure to come back next week to hear our youth band uh, lead worship. Y'all have a great week.